The internet changed everything for sales and marketing. Artificial intelligence is going to change everything again. Welcome to AI for Sales, a show that looks at how artificial intelligence is changing sales. Join noted author, speaker, and AI for Sales expert Chad Burmeister as he interviews cutting-edge founders, CEOs, CROs, CMOs, other business executives, and AI experts on the weekly AI for Sales podcast. Join the AI for Sales revolution. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, CEO of ScaleX.ai and also the founder of SalesClass.ai. And I'm here today with Mark Danolo, who is 11 years founder of SalesGlobe. They do a weekly meeting that is fabulous that I'm sure Mark can tell you more about on every single Friday, talking about compensation, data-driven decisions, and all kinds of other things. Mark's also the author of a book, and I'll ask him to hold it up. Quota, and I need to read the cliff, the cliffhanger there, quotas design thinking to solve your biggest sales challenges, sales challenge. So Mark's, uh, Mark is probably one of the foremost thought leaders in the world of sales compensation. So we're going to dig into it. We're going to talk a little bit about AI and how that can help support things like data-driven decisions and compensation. Uh, but let's get to know Mark a little bit first. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Chad. Great to be here. Man, it's been a while since we traveled around the country and met up in, uh, in this Miami area. Miami. That's right. That's right. It was a different environment back then, wasn't it? You know, Times they Emory's are. Memories of South Beach and we were meeting at the Marlins Park and everything. Yeah, it was quite a different time. <laughs> yeah, quite a different time. So thinking about, well, let's, let's get to know you first. So how did you get into sales and sales compensation? You know, take us back to the last 10 years. What transpired to get from then to now? Well, <clears throat> since I was a kid, I wanted to be a sales compensation designer. <laughs> you knew it right when you came out. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I knew salespeople just weren't paid the right way. So <laughs> no, actually, um, I, I went to art school uh, when I was young and uh, studied, studied design undergrad in Philadelphia. And then I became a designer in New York for a few years. I did corporate identity and branding design. I did museum exhibition design. And um, I was working for a big branding firm in my second job in New York. And um, uh, some of my roommate buddies were going off to business school. And I took a look at, uh, at, at business schools as I, I was helping one of them move to, uh, to where he was going. And I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And I was kind of interested in the idea of, of how are we solving problems for business, not just how are we doing design. And so I uh, ended off going to business school myself and became what I uh, call a closet art school MBA, meaning I um, went to business school. And as I was getting out, what I realized is that no serious company wanted to hire the art guy. They couldn't figure out what they were going to do with me, except for maybe Hallmark, which is probably the best job I never got. So uh, <laughs> that worked out well. But I had to keep the whole design thing or the whole creative thing in the closet for, for a while to get a real job and I, and I got a job in management consulting. And what I realized a few years later was a lot of the things that I was doing in terms of problem solving were drawing upon creative uh, right brain principles, applying those with left brain analytical, logical problem solving techniques. So then I um, 
I thought, wow, there's really something to be said here. And there's a better way to help companies solve problems versus kind of repeating the same thing they do year after year, which tends to be the pattern. You know, we, we look at what did we do last year or what are our competitors doing? Or some executive will say, well, this is the way I did it at XYZ company and everybody will follow suit, but it's really not solving the real problem. So that's our whole mission at Sales Globe is to help companies think differently and solve the real sales challenge, get to the get to the the root of that challenge and use uh, creative data-driven problem-solving techniques. Got it. Um, I have to believe that marketing alignment is somehow built in there as well at times. Is that uh, part of the program of, you know, especially if I think about sales development and business development and right, MQL right. to SQL, what, what's the difference between a quota carrying sales compensation plan and a sales development compensation plan, for example? Well, that, that's a good question. I think uh, as you look at the broader picture of the go-to-market strategy <clears throat> and you look at the, uh, the sales process, certainly marketing comes into play in terms of the overall strategy and also support and integration of sales and marketing during the sales process. Uh, that said, when it comes to compensation, most people in marketing don't want to have half their pay at risk. So that, that doesn't really you know, bode well, but a lot of it has to do with, I think, a level of control. So we do like to um, see... Uh, marketing roles with incentive compensation that's related to the goals that they have to achieve. Uh, we, we have to do that in a way that fits those roles, which might be different than a way that fits a sales role. So a sales role, you might find typically your pay mix might be 50-50, meaning 50% base salary, 50% incentive, or it could be, you know, 70-30, something like that. But a marketing role, and, and, and the, <clears throat> the measures would be tied to things like revenue and bookings and profitability, but a marketing role uh, you would find is going to be a little bit different in that the pay mix is probably not quite as aggressive. You might be an 80-20 or maybe a 90-10, and the measures are going to be different. So we're looking at what do people have control and influence over. So marketing, it might be um, generating opportunities. It might be positioning effectively. It might be working in um, an integrated sales and marketing process, right? So that's the trick is, I think, you know, identifying the right mix and the right measures that reflect what that, what that role should be doing. Yep, got it. I, it's funny timing because just this weekend, I wore my Ring Central shirt shirt that we mm -hmm. worked with the SDR team on, and the tagline was "Be exceptional." And then on the back, the very first thing on the on the line said, um, "High integrity in setting of our compensation plans." It was like oh, the number one thing because these are incoming leads from the marketing department, and mm -hmm. so we were tied to conversion rates. We, mm -hmm. meaning I set the plan. Um, but what we were doing at the time was saying, instead of manually dialing these folks and manually emailing, we added a lot of technology to the process. Mm -hmm. And we made the conversion rate from this certain batch of leads go from 8 to 18% because wow. there were more touches on leads. Right, and right. so a lot of the reps felt like, man, I'm doing 200% of my goal because there were new tools and technologies and processes that were rolled out. Well, why don't you pay me? You know, I'm making 60,000 a year. Why can't I now be making 120 because I'm doing mm -hmm. so well. Mm -hmm. And the psychology of, of talking through that and saying, well, the technology has a cost to it also, and we're going to get more productive uh, over time. So mm -hmm. yeah. You know, how, how do you work the change management piece to me? seems to be extremely important in the rollout and, and compensation plans in general. 
Well, you know, to the point you're making, it's not a one-for-one relationship in terms of productivity and compensation for sales. And, you know, what I think a lot of salespeople don't understand is the value that the company provides to enable them to be able to do what they do. And, and that comes in the, in the area of obviously marketing, like you're describing, uh, infrastructure, product, distribution. And so if you said, well, you know, if you're going to operate as an independent agent, then that's a different situation, but you're not going to get all that support. So, you know, uh, as, a, as, a, as a person's quota goes up, their compensation does not go in lockstep with the size of that quota because the company might be introducing new offers and, and doing, you know, a lot of investment to help them get there. So for companies that are growing, especially, they have to understand how you, uh, you, you, you de-link that, that lockstep relationship because in order to scale up, you've got to be able to make those investments and you know, salespeople are gonna, are gonna make more, of course, but it's gotta be related to what they're actually able to contribute. Now on change management, as you mentioned, uh, that is a really important point because everything that you do within um, sales effectiveness, marketing effectiveness, you can come up with the right answers, but you have to get the organization to change. So there's this whole thing that goes around all of it, all of it Chad, called people which, you know, we've got to deal with people, right? We got to, we got to realize that you can't just drop a textbook solution into a situation, uh, you know, maybe some, you know, new creative idea. You can't just drop that in. What you have to do is you have to bring the organization along with you. And so uh, we'll usually look at change as a campaign that runs alongside and is integrated with any kind of new initiative we may be doing. So understanding uh, early on, um, how people are engaged and what they're doing and, and conditioning them for that coming change and also getting their input. And then along the way, giving them information. But then as you start to get to that point of change, making the case for them, and we'll, we'll you look at a couple things, whether it's compensation or changes, changing the sales process or the whole go-to-market strategy, we'll look at what are salespeople and what, are, what is the organization going to see that they, they see as positive, as neutral and as negative. And we want to understand how they're going to perceive that. And then what we want to do is we want to build the business case around that. So that, that uh, change management campaign will usually have a few pieces like who is the audience that we're dealing with. And we've got several different audiences if we're making a go-to-market change, not just different jobs, but it could be different people at different points in their career. So who are the audiences? What are the big messages that we want to get across to them? You know, positive, neutral, negative, uh, responses. And then what's the proof source behind that? So we're going to make this change. Why is it good? And how can we prove that? And then we get into the question of what are the vehicles that we're going to use to get that message out there? And what's the frequency or the calendar? So, you know, change management is not just touchy feely stuff. It can be, uh, it, it really has to be well thought through, but it can be uh, highly coordinated as well. And that the, the organizations that do it well tend to have those kind of components in place. Mm. So obviously, the pandemic has changed a lot of companies' behaviors and comp plans, even mm-hmm. where I'm seeing city governments say, hey, we're taking the next week off, you know, good luck. We're all going to take the week off. I think even the governor at one point said, hey, I'm taking the week off this week. <laughs> and, and COVID, so- COVID has given us an excuse for everything. It's like all the restaurants close at night at, at like eight o'clock. And I'm always like, well, is that when the COVID's coming out? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. 
Yeah, I mean, come on. it's timed. Or I've seen if you're if you're standing versus sitting, that has a different effect apparently on your ability to. <laughs> It must be frequency, right? The wavelengths are at a certain level in those. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Every, COVID's yeah. the excuse for everything right now. I'm being a little cynical, but I, you <laughs> yeah, know. that's right. So I guess what I what I'm curious about, I I think back to what 07, 08, when there was mm -hmm. a market correction, right? And right. Um, I saw some companies do the right. Th I'll call it do the right thing and and adjust quotas down and. Uh, but not all companies did it that way. Uh, mm -hmm. What are you generally seeing across the board? Is there a reset this time? Or I guess 40% of companies are actually doing better now than they were pre-pandemic. And so I think right. you kind of have to, it really depends on the company, obviously. But are you seeing something in general um, with the pandemic related to comp plans? Well, one thing we're seeing in general is that everybody's got different situations. So there's no one general answer. Um, if you look at industries, what you'll see is that, um, as you said, it's different for different companies. So we just did a roundtable last week where we took a look at where your total addressable market is coming from and where it's moving for, for companies that are selling, say, business to business. And we looked at the industries and how they're shifting. And some industries are, are moving up, you know, technology, computers doing very well, uh, food services not doing well. Um, non uh, like off-premise food, meaning grocery doing very well, uh, off-premise alcohol doing very well, on-premise alcohol down. Mm -hmm. um, so, and you've got uh, uh, ambulatory uh, uh, healthcare services going up, uh, home improvement going up. So people are using power tools and then they're calling the ambulance. I mean, they're, so everybody's moving in different directions. So uh, from an industry standpoint, it's shifting. And then from a geographic standpoint, it's shifting. So we're looking at states that are up and states that are down year over year. And there's some dramatic differences. So point number one is with your company, whatever company you're in, you've got to understand where your market is moving. Uh, point number two is that most companies did not adjust quotas uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and if you look at it, it's kind of a clean break in a way because really kicked in in March. So there was a lot of wait and see. That was the biggest thing that happened in the in the acclimation period. We think about the four phases of COVID-19 where you've you've got the acclimation in the beginning and then you've got a planful action and then you're then you're starting to to build and then prepare for recovery. So as we're moving through these phases, the first thing that people the companies did with quotas was they, uh, communicated messages to the organization, quotas and compensation. They said, "Settle down, don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna take care of things, and things will be fine." And 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 they started to have their people start helping customers rather than selling. Right? They started to help and sell beyond the curve. But from a compensation quota standpoint, there was a period where where companies held off. Uh, what they have started to do is they have started to make some adjustments in terms of either pushing the quota further out into the year, so re-seasonalizing, or they may have broken it into some smaller parts to, um, to have some, some shorter timeframes that were more manageable because you know, they didn't know how one quarter was going to be versus the next. But my sense is that what's going to happen is companies are going to start looking as we're getting to the end of the calendar year, they're going to start looking at what kind of adjustments are we going to make now that we have better information because there's been a lot of forecasting and reforecasting. And then as we're looking at 2021, that's the tricky part with quotas because uh, we've got a whole year ahead of us. The companies are saying, well, how do I set a goal for 2021 when I can't look at history? 
right? History is history. Now we can't just look back at that. So we have to look at better market opportunity data and information to be able to set a quota. Like I mentioned, where's the market opportunity moving? But we, I think, Chad, we might be seeing some changes in terms of the duration of those quotas for 2021. So we might be seeing more half-year quotas because we don't want to commit to an entire year. And so we break it into smaller parts so we get more visibility. So, um, so, so quotas on the whole, like I said, have not been adjusted a lot, but there's been you know, slight tweaks. Uh, compensation, there has been some adjustments. But, but I think uh, companies have really been trading on trust with their sales teams. And some organizations, they, you know, they have to look at their, their philosophy about what they want to see occur there. Some organizations have said, hey, you know, we've had good years and we've had bad years. And I think you know, people are going to be able to make it up. So we see some clients doing that. People are just going to have to catch up. Others are actually putting some compensation floors in. So a lot of varied treatments depending on their industry and depending on their objective of how they want this to come out for their, for their employee base. Yeah. Um, I went to the Topo virtual event this last week for part of it, especially the opening uh, with Craig Rosenberg. And he made an interesting comment that maps exactly what you just said. He said, mm -hmm. companies traditionally look five years out. And he said, not only are they not looking five years out right now, they're not even looking one year out. It's mm -hmm. 60, 90 days. A quarter is becoming the new norm to you know, figure out what's possible for this particular quarter. So I think right, whether right. it's a quarter or a half, I think that maps exactly the same way you're talking about. Um, yep. Question, one thing I've seen having attended at least eight or 10 AI summits, right? Not mm -hmm. AI for sales necessarily, but just AI in general. And they're showing how revenue per head in the world and certainly in the US is going up productivity per head, revenue per head, while the, uh, the number of people required isn't as great. So mm -hmm. there's the, you know, as AI gets, enters the workforce and makes people more productive. I think of my own business. I was just doing a presentation this last weekend and I opened with the number 60,000. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, what do you, you know, what does anybody think this means? And then I broke it down and I said, look, a thousand leads a month, 3,000 emails, 5,000 dials, 3,000 social connections, 50,000 paid ads to those same 1,000 leads. And by the time you layer all this on, it's 60,000 touches that's now possible so that they see me anywhere they go in every single channel. And then coming in with better content, better offers, um, you know, you can do so much more and reach so many more people with the message, right message, right place, right time. Right. Um, have, have you seen that, uh, you know, more higher productivity per head over the course of the last two, three, four years? Um, we have seen companies start to use AI more and probably become a little less scared of AI because you know we have this perception that it's going to take over, right? We're going to have the, these bots are going to take over and they're going to start to displace us. Uh, what we've seen probably more of is in in the COVID period, things have been accelerating. So uh, you know, certainly I, I understand the power of AI and, and you know have worked with you on that as well, Chad. And and, and it's amazing what you can do. But when you when you look at and I think we're going to see puts and takes on productivity. Uh, when you look at where we're seeing them apply AI, it's to um, 
tasks that don't need to be done by a person that can be done a lot more efficiently. So just the idea of if I'm a salesperson and I'm prospecting, uh, being able to get multiple touch points on LinkedIn with customized messaging, but yet I'm not actually doing all that messaging, uh, you know, that can greatly decontaminate the job, right? Um, helping to figure out where I should be targeting. So machine learning uh, in the pipeline, or I'm sorry, machine learning in the, um, uh, by looking at the market and knowing where the hotspots are, machine learning in the pipeline, knowing, you know, when deals are starting to taper out and where we need to get in and take action or where we need to uh, disengage from those opportunities. So a lot of that stuff that required judgment before can be automated. So that's tremendously powerful. So those are going to be productivity improvers. And then if you look at some of the puts and takes on productivity that we're seeing ahead, you're going to see, well, and we do see greater efficiency of contact. So we're having more and more calls, more and more meetings virtually. So greater efficiency of contact, our buyers for a lot of companies are not sitting on planes and trains anymore. So they're easier to get in contact with. So that's a productivity increaser, right? But then uh, offers are changing as well for a lot of B2B companies. So they're, they're, bringing out lower profile, maybe lower price point offers that are easier for their customers to buy, that can be a take on productivity, right? So that could take away because we have to sell more of those. Uh, as people are continuing to work virtually, I think what we're going to see is we're going to start to see some bunny slipper fatigue, which means salespeople are going to get tired and fatigued working out of their living rooms for an extended period of time. And so, um, so that's going to take a toll on productivity, probably will contribute to some turnover as well, because people are going to start to not be as sharp on the value proposition. Like, this is not really what I wanted to do. I'm going to start looking at some other places where I can get out and I can work with people again. So, you know, I, and, and, and then we have lack of collaboration. So as a salesperson, as a marketing person, um, yeah, it's tempting for companies to have them working remote. In fact, um, I think Microsoft just announced that they're going to be doing a lot more remote working indefinitely, right? I believe that we're going to see a tap on productivity there, though, because the collaboration starts to decrease. And, you know, yeah, we can get together virtually, but the idea of just working together in the office is, is, is so much more productive. So we're going to see various puts and takes on this. And in the near term, distraction. So kids are back in school with quotes, but they're being homeschooled. And uh, homeschooling is hard. We did it for our daughter for four years. And so you can't put an entire country through homeschooling in one shot. That's a learned skill. But you've got the mom and the dad at home with the kids, massive distraction. And, and some company leaders have said to me, I know my sales people aren't getting as much done as they normally do. We're losing productivity because they're at home and they're helping out with the kids and, and they're, they're distracted and, and I don't know what's going on. So, so we got to put the puts and takes together and, and sum it up by looking at what, what I call sales capacity. So take your AI and take all those other changes that I mentioned, and you're going to have to put it together and say, what's our revised sales capacity model look like? And how has, how's that going to change for the new world? Because we have new types of roles and a bunch of new factors that played in. So that's going to flow into quotas and what's attainable. And it's also going to, Chad, flow into compensation. Uh, we've seen some indicators from major companies that they're starting to look at adjusting compensation because if they're not going to put in the same, get the same productivity out of people that reflects on compensation. So compensation is going to reflect the value that the salesperson provides to the organization. So we're going to see some changes in those areas. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's a hundred percent right. Um, 
compensation reflects value. I, on the Zoom strategy, this is funny. I did a talk with someone earlier in the week, last week, mm-hmm. and they, they, they termed the term Zoom first strategy. And he said, I believe that in the future, you'll, you'll ask the question that says, hey, well, I get it. We all want to right. get back on planes, trains, and automobiles. But help me understand if I'm the CFO, help me understand what's the impact to the organization of doing that. Right. And so to your point about value, you know, one person in my organization might do a thousand dials a day using technology. He's mm-hmm. well more equipped to do that than mm-hmm. I'd rather have one person at a thousand a day than have 10 at a hundred a day, because mm-hmm. eight of the 10 are going to kick and kick and scream and say, that's isn't working. Why are you making me do something? Let's go find the person who you can align their value of what they do with that specific skill set. Right. Same thing for email, right? Someone with higher EQ, which is generally a certain sex in the industry of the world today, right? Uh, I think there's adva- advantage w- uh, to my wife in, in today's world we live in. Men, we need to learn how to better communicate. Uh, but you can read that in an email if you're sending something with empathy versus uh, a, a typical, hey, when can we get on a demo? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'd like it's to meet, take you out for coffee or sell you something. Uh, so yeah, definitely the world is changing. Well, I, we're running up on the on the top here. What um, what what would you, what would you like to leave our audience with today? We've talked a lot a lot about sales compensation and the changing world we live in. Um, take us out with the with the home run here, Mark. Well, I I'd leave everybody with one thing, which is the future of sales is uncertain, and the spoils are going to go to the data-driven creative problem solvers. So if we're selling in the old ways and we're, we're replicating what we had done in the past, we're in a changing environment where um, we may not be able to give you the answers right now about what you should be doing, but what you need to be doing is what we're doing. You know, we're mind mapping out all the factors, the drivers of change, and you need to equip yourself to be able to be an effective problem solver, a creative problem solver. And that's, that's what we do at Sales Globe is we help people think differently about that. So you've got to understand, given all these factors, and we're going to be starting to see hybrid sales roles and the sales process is changing, offers changing. How do I solve for that problem? And how do I redefine the problem, not just solve for the service problem, but redefine the problem and start to do some divergent thinking about possibilities. So uh, I would say that is the most important thing is become an effective creative problem solver that will, that will make you successful in an uncertain future. Interesting. I met with the CRO this morning and we went through that exact exercise for an hour and a half. And we looked at the funding status of all our customers. We looked at which reps were closing, which deals and just quick drag drop in the back end of the CRM. And our biggest discovery is that the non-funded companies are growing like crazy with us because we have an offer that's a $500 a month offer. Mm-hmm. And the funded startups are a little more conservative. So the non-funded companies, which I personally enjoy helping because they're folks who are like, they don't have a $10 million in the bank from a series A round. Mm-hmm. They're people who are like, look, I used to be on the road and I used to sell on stage and I'd charge $20,000 for my time. And now I can't do that anymore. And so we're seeing this huge jump in folks that are, that are just saying, I don't want to go back to corporate America. I don't want to quit my job. And most of all, I don't want my 
family to look at me as a failure. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting when you start to dig into the mindsets of your buyer, understand where the market's going. And if you don't come up and look, look down at the map, it's real easy to continue doing what you've done and uh, find oh. yourself in a world of hurt. It, it's way too comfortable. It's like the, you know, the frog in the gradually boiling water. It's very comfortable until it's boiling and you realize, okay, we haven't been solving the real problem. Yeah. Well, hey, I've really enjoyed the conversation today, Mark. I know you guys, like I said earlier, every Friday, you're doing an amazing uh, meetup with a bunch of people. You look across a lot of different data from a lot of different organizations. And uh, I highly encourage you to check it out. The website's www.salesglobe.com. Super simple. You can find Mark there. If you look up quotas, on Amazon and Mark Donolo, D-O-N-N-O-L-O. I'm sure you'll find it there as well. So Mark, thank you for your time today. We appreciate it. And everybody, if you're looking at uh, making sure to do make data-driven decisions for your organization, and especially as it relates to compensation, Mark's your guy. Thanks, Chad. Great being with you. All right, everybody. See you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of the AI for Sales podcast with Chad Burmeister. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate the ever-changing landscape of sales to help you 5x, 10x, or even 100x your sales motion sales velocity through artificial intelligence. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit www.scalex.ai. Until next time.